You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Tell you what, next week I'm bringing my space heater up here. I'm just going <laughs> to put it in the corner of our little cave that we have. Jason would be sitting in the back. He'd just be like lounging in his chair, just like steam radiating off of him. Like shorts and a tank top and t- Bahama and t-shirt. A- well, on that note, I want to say hello and welcome to the Grace Church Slato podcast. My name is David Laws, and I'm joined by Corey Woodard, the minister to students here at Grace. If this is your first time listening, we do this podcast each week so that you would come away loving God's Word more, knowing how to understand it and apply it to your day-to-day life. And our life verse this week is going to be from Psalm 37, verses 3 through 4, and it says, Trust in the Lord, do what is good, dwell in the land, and live securely. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. And I love this passage because, you know, you see Him giving all of these commands, and it can seem somewhat straightforward at first glance, but as usually is the case with Scripture, there's so much depth and there's so much complexity in what's actually going on here. So, Corey, I'm excited to break it down with you today. Yeah, so when we look at these two verses, we find ourselves in a psalm uh, that's recognizing kind of the the disordered state of the world. Because what this psalm is talking about is that we live in a world where it seems like the wicked prosper more than the righteous. And we experience that all the time, you know, like the people who, who are kind of shady and, and try and like scam people or just kind of uh, lie in their business dealings. Those are the kind of people who tend to make more money or, or the people... Um, that tell half-truths and just tell people what they want to hear. Those are the people who get the promotion uh, over over us sometimes. And so when we look around us, we see that what the psalm is pointing out, that because of the disordered state of our world, it seems like the wicked tend to prosper more than the righteous. And so that can bring in a temptation for us to act like that um, because we want those things, you know. Um, our Our heart tells us, that, oh, oh, those things are, are good, and they're getting those things by acting in, in these wicked ways, and so I should act in these wicked ways as well. That can be the temptation for us. Um, but as this psalm continues, what it tells us is like, hey, the way of the wicked is coming to an end. Uh, it, it literally says, <laughs> I think it's funny, um, the wicked person schemes against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at him because he sees that his day is coming. And so that's what this psalm is talking about. It's recognizing that the wicked seem to prosper, and we can be tempted to act in those ways so that we can prosper too, but the Lord's laughing at them because their days are coming to an end, and he knows that. And so what we're being invited to with these verses is a different way of being than the world. He says, hey, it looks like they're prospering because they're acting that way. But you, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord uh, and do what is good. And so what that trust is, it's, it's trust that we will be vindicated by the Lord. Even though uh, the, the wicked and the evildoers are the ones who seem like they're in the right right now, uh, what this psalm is calling us to is to trust that when the Lord comes again, we will be the ones who are vindicated. Well, and 
I think it's important that he's commanding them to trust because it's so inverse and backwards from what we can see from our own humanistic perspective. But it's that, that same truth radiates all through Jesus's ministry when he's helping people understand this upside down kingdom of God, where basically whatever you tend to think about things, the, the truth of God's kingdom is probably the exact opposite. And so it's exactly like what you said. When we look around and we see all these people thriving in the short term, it's easy to think, man, I see the reward there. And in a I feel like in Christian circles now, we don't actually talk about this idea of reward as often as Jesus did, but that's something he talked about a lot. And he actually motivated people by saying, hey, your reward is coming and it's not of this earth. Like you're going to suffer while you're here, but your reward is still coming, you know, and it's imperishable and it's sitting in heaven and it's waiting for you. But I'm excited that we get to look into that more today. Yeah. And, uh, that, that reminded me of what Jason was talking about with first Peter five that says that. The Lord will exalt us at the right time. We don't have to try and exalt ourselves by acting wickedly in this life, because if we trust in the Lord and we do what is good, we do what is right and pursue righteousness, the Lord will exalt us at that right time. Well, and I think that the biggest challenge to that trust, whenever he's telling us to do that, for me, the biggest challenge that we have to trusting that is maintaining an eternal perspective. Because you can't trust him if you're if you're just looking at the here and now. You're like, man, all these guys are getting ahead. All these people are living a more secure, more comfortable life than I am because they're doing things that they shouldn't. And that's tempting to like want to drift towards that. And the only way we can maintain that trust in God is with this eternal perspective that recognizes this isn't my home. Like this isn't this isn't where my reward is coming. There's more to it than than just the the here and now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also we can we can trust that that reward is coming because of what God has done in the past. Um, we have this idea in, in our culture, at least, of this like blind trust of oh, we just have to trust that this will happen without reason to. And sometimes we bring that misguided cultural perspective to the Bible. Um, but the biblical idea of trust is trust that God will do what he says he will because of what he has done in the past. And so we can trust that God will vindicate us because he has delivered us from sin and death. So if he can do that, of course he can vindicate us when we pursue righteousness. Yeah, that's I love that. You know, it's not the idea of someone buying a lottery ticket and just trusting, I'm going to win this bad boy. It, it's something that there's merit to it. Like there's experiential um, things for us to look back on and say, look what God has done. So so we can trust what he says he will do moving forward. And, you know, when we look at this, there, there are some other commands here and, and a promise that's wrapped in there too. What do you see in this part where it's talking about dwelling in the land and delighting in the Lord? Yeah. So uh, with the dwell in the land, um, I think that's important because these two other commands are grounded by that idea of trust in the Lord. Uh, and so it's the recognition that, so what the, the land that David is talking about now is the promised land. Uh, and so with that, you know, keeping trust in the back of your head, it's the idea that, yeah, we're, but we have only achieved that by trusting in the Lord. The, if When we are in a place of goodness and prosperity, we need to remember that we are only there because the Lord has brought us there. But then also that idea of dwelling in the land, that gets picked up uh, by the prophet Jeremiah as well um, to 
when he tells the Israelites that they still need to pursue faithfulness even when they're in exile. And so I think that reminds us uh, that even when we are not in the place, when, when we are feeling this tension, and like you said earlier, we're, we're always exiles right now because this is not our home. And so when we're feeling that tension of things are not right, I am not in the place that I should be, these commands here still apply to us in that. These commands don't just apply when we're in the land of, of God's promise. They apply when we're in exile as well. And so we still need to be in that place of deep trust, even when we are in exile. Well, and I think another thing that you could see, too, when you look at that, whenever he's telling them, trust in the Lord, do what is good, dwell in the land, and live securely, there's, a, there's an element of obedience that's wrapped in all that. He's saying, as you're trusting God... Just live how God has called you to live. Do what's good. Dwell in this land. Remember, God, had, just like you said, he set this land aside for them and said, this will be your place. So them dwelling there was inherently obedient to what God was telling them to do. So, you know, I, something that I see here is is him saying, hey, just live how God is calling you to live. Live this life of obedience based on what God has given us. Uh, but I'm interested in your thoughts on where he says, take delight in the Lord. Uh, you know, what do you see happening there? Yeah, so I think that that uh, phrase at the end of there that's take delight in the Lord and he will give you uh, your heart's desires. That's when we read this, like that's what we're automatically drawn to um, because we can think, oh, oh, like the Lord's going to give me what I want. I desire a Lamborghini. Yeah, so that's yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing. And, and so th- the way that that ties in with the broader passage is that we can think, oh, oh, like the wicked are getting it that way, and the Lord will give me the exact same things that they are getting. That can be our temptation uh, when we read this. Like like you said, like, oh, I want a Lamborghini, or oh, I want a lot of money, um, or oh, I want these really nice things. And so our temptation can be, oh, well, of course the Lord will give me that because I'm being righteous, I'm being a good person, so the Lord will give me all, all these external markers of wealth that everyone else has as well, because I'm righteous, so I deserve this. That can be the, the temptation um, that, that we bring to this text. But the text, the Bible's doing something much more subversive here than that, because that promise is, is predicated, it's with the assumption that we are delighting ourselves in the Lord. Yeah, those two things, you really cannot divorce them from each other if you want to understand what David's saying here. Yeah, absolutely. And the the, the thing is that, that, yeah, we think like, oh, if I just delight myself in the Lord, then he'll give me whatever I want. But something something strange, something different happens to us when we take delight in the Lord. When we are truly delighting ourselves in the Lord, we first desire Him most of all. But then also, our other desires are changed. Because when we are delighting ourselves in the Lord, when we are spending deep communal time with the Lord, our hearts are are changed again and again. It's the process of sanctification. And that happens when we delight ourselves in the Lord. And so we no longer desire that Lamborghini or those external markers of wealth and prosperity and success. Now we desire the things that that we desire, uh, justice and righteousness and goodness. Uh, And I'm thinking of of the words of Paul in uh, Romans 14. He says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. And so when, when we are 
when we are not delighting ourselves in the Lord, those are the things that we desire. Those are the things our hearts desire. But the kingdom of God, Paul, Paul goes on to say, is a, of righteousness and goodness and graciousness and justice. And so when we are delighting ourselves in the Lord, our desires are changed. And so that we desire those things which please the Lord rather than those uh, external markers of prosperity that we wanted before. Well, and maybe it's just because I have the mind of a five-year-old, but, you know, the analogy that comes to my mind is that, like, this person who has eaten all this ice cream, and they just love it. So what do they want? Like, they want more ice cream. You know, it's, and it's this idea here that when you take delight in the Lord, that's going to recalibrate your desires, so that's what you're wanting more of. So when he's saying, yeah, I'll give you the desires of your heart, because I will be the desire of your heart. And I love, love, love the way you broke that down so simply, and so when we take all of that, right, like there's so many good thoughts to, to, to process. What does that mean for me this week? How can I take this passage and obey it and apply it to my, to my daily life this week? What would you say there? I mean, how can we apply this passage? Yeah, so one of the things that, that Scripture does is that it, it corrects us, and, and it corrects our ways. And so I think uh, the, the first thing— um, that we need to think about is, okay, in my pursuits, am I pursuing the same thing as the wicked people around me, or am I pursuing uh, what, what the Lord takes delight in? Am I pursuing um, these external markers of flourishing and of success in prosperity, or am I pursuing goodness and justiceness and, and justiceness and justice and righteousness um, in, in everything that I do? And so we need to ask ourselves that question first. And even more specifically than that, I, I think we need to look at specific situations in our lives and say, okay, what would it look like to do good in this situation? Um, I, I think the, just an easy example I thought of. Um, was like a promotion or or even just a good evaluation um, at, at the end of the quarter or at the end of the um, the fiscal year with our job is okay what would it look like to do good in, in this situation if I kind of slander the character of my coworkers to make myself look better that might get me that promotion or that might get me uh, that better evaluation because I seem better in comparison to them because I'm slandering their name and and the work that they have done, but that would be acting wickedly. Or if I just do the job that God has called me to do and work for his glory and for his righteousness and strive uh, um, to do good and, and to pursue peace and, and, and justice and goodness in all my relationships with my coworkers, I may not get that promotion, but the Lord will take delight in that. The Lord will exalt me in, in the proper time. Um, and, and also, just quite honestly, we just need to delight ourselves in the Lord. Uh, another way to apply this thing is just starve. Jason talked about this on Sunday, is that our desires are wicked. Um, they are sinful. And so the, the, the natural desires of our heart are wrong. Um, and so we need, to, we need to starve ourselves uh, of those things that fuel those wicked desires, um, but then, then fan the flame of those desires for the Lord. And, and so we need to ultimately take delight in Him 
um, because he is the one who will exalt us. He is the one um, who, who will give us what we need, that status, that money, uh, that whatever, whatever uh, thing that, we, that our heart wants um, naturally, those will not satisfy us. The only thing that ultimately will satisfy us and ultimately will delight us is the Lord. Um, and then also we just we need to wait on the Lord um, and with faithfulness, with trust. Uh, later on in this psalm, David says uh, in verses 25 and 26, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous abandon or his children begging for bread. He is always generous, always lending, and his children are a blessing. And so we just got to wait with faithfulness and trust and just pursue the Lord above all other things. That's what this is calling us to. Well, I think that's a perfect lens to look through, you know, because when we're reading God's Word, we should be asking ourselves things like, is there a promise to believe here? Is there a command to obey? And here, the answer is yes, right? (laughs) Those things. He gives us four or five very explicit commands. Trust in the Lord, do good, live in this land. Uh, But then there's that promise at the end, and I, I just think, yeah, if you're really trying to help someone take this verse and cling to it, I, I think you nailed it. It's just, it boils down to that idea of delight in the Lord. Because if you are delighting in the Lord, that's where your joy is, your satisfaction, your peace, your hope. They're all just wrapped up in you enjoying who God is. All these other pieces are going to fall into place. I mean, that that really is the takeaway that uh, I think is important for, for us to, to have. And so, you know, for all of you listening, we want to thank you for for listening to the Grace Church Salado podcast, and, and we hope that this discussion spurred you on in your love for Jesus and your love for people this week. And we look forward to seeing you next week for our episode on Psalm thirty seven verses five and six.